Good evening. If you will, let's turn to John 17. I received a, a thank you note from Brother Clay Curtis, and I'll keep it on the back table there if anybody would like to read it. It's real encouraging. John 17, title of my message is Life is Knowing Him. Life is Knowing Him. You know about Jesus Christ? You know about the Bible? Do you know a bunch of verses? Do you have memory verses and proof texts and those things? That ain't my question. Do you know him? I mean it. Do I know him? Do I know him? Do you know him? It's important. It's an eternal life and it's eternal death. This is important. Real important. Our Lord prays here. John 17, verse 1, it says, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may also may glorify thee. Also may glorify thee. Thou hast given him. He speaks of him, of the Son. Why is he speaking that way? He's speaking as a man, as a God-man. Because I'm supposed to speak this way. Because you're supposed to speak this way. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou has sent. This is eternal life. That we may know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Not know about him. Not know facts. Know him. Know him. This is the Lord's Prayer. Over top of many headings and Bibles, it'll say his high priestly prayer. That's John 17. He's praying. This is the Lord's Prayer. You ask most people on the street, do you know what the Lord's Prayer is? I say, oh, yeah, I know that. And they'll quote Matthew 6, won't they? But that's the disciples' prayer. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray because we don't know how to. You know, this is important. We're going to hear God pray to God this evening, and we can learn something from that. These little people, they're going to learn how to pray because of how we pray. Now, does that make you say, come here, I'll show you? Or does that make you say, God, teach me how to pray? Do you have a, a, an arrogant, uppity, self-righteous spirit about it? Or do you have a humble spirit? God says, I don't know. You have to teach me. We're going to learn something from this. He taught those disciples how to pray. He gave them instructions. That's for them, and that's for us too, isn't it? He said, after this manner, pray ye. <laughs> you pray this way. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a good way to start it. But that's for us. That's for him. This is the text is the Lord's Prayer because he's the one praying it. This is the prayer of the only mediator between God and man. Lord Jesus Christ. This is the great intercessor, the great high priest. And he's come before the Father and he's praying for his people. He's praying for his church, for that body that he's the head of. 
That's why he tells us down in verse 9. Look there. This is not for anyone that'll listen. This is not for the whole world without exception and just anybody that's pretty pleased will let him. Verse 9 says, I pray for them, his people. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine. This prayer in John 17, it's the Lord's prayer. It's to the Father. It's for his people. For this, his people then, for this, these apostles, the 11 that were sitting there with him. And it's for his people now, and it's for his people to come in generations. The Lord may have this earth spinning for a lot longer than it is, has been. I don't know. But any saint that's to come, he's praying for them too. Look at verse 20. It says, Neither I pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. These apostles are going to write the New Testament, and they're going to go around and preach. They're going to perform some miracles. Now, through them preaching, way down the road, people's going to believe because of them. We do. Don't we? That's what we're looking at tonight, what John wrote. It said that they all may be one. Now we see who's speaking. That's God the Son. Who's listening? Who's hearing? God the Father. That's who we pray to. And who's it for? The apostles, but all saints. All his people. Now look at verse 1. John 17, verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven. These words spake Jesus. What words? From chapter 13 to here. That's what we've been looking at for quite a while now, isn't it? That same night, he was with the, the 11. He told them what was going to come, and he gave them words to remember. He said, you're going to look back on this, and you're going to understand here in a little while. You can't handle all this right now. I have a lot to tell you, but you'll recall what I've told you. And then now, he spoke to them, and he's turned his attention from them, and in front of, in front of them, he prays to the Father. This is amazing. <laughs> Would you want to listen in? I think we got something to learn. If God was praying to God, shh, hush it. Somebody said, uh-huh. No, no, you stop saying uh-huh. You listen. <laughs> what he has to say. This is important. This is our Lord speaking to the Father, but we can learn a lot from it too, can't we? He looked up. He lifted up his eyes. What did James tell us? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. He's looking to the source, isn't he? I thought about our instruction for when our Lord returns on a cloud. They came out with a big, real popular movie recently. It says, don't look up. And I was talking to my pastor. I said, first thing that comes to mind was, he says, when I come, the end of the world's coming, as man considers it. When I come, he says, when he, he began to, these things come to pass, he says, then look up. And lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. Your Redeemer's coming. Look up, look for him. We look for him now, don't we? He then lifted up his eyes to heaven. And he said, Father, the hour is come. This is the hour, the hour that he spoke of so often. That's why he spoke of in John 2 at that wedding feast at Cana where he performed his first miracle. His mother come to him and said, you got any more wine? We need wine. We're out of wine. And he said, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. This was what was on his mind. This is, this is what all creation's led to, isn't it? On another occasion, he said, For this cause came I to this hour. Shall I pray to the Father? Let this hour depart. He said, No, for this cause came I to this hour. This is the hour. A few times people tried to kill our Lord. 
and they took up stones and killed him and threw him off a cliff, and they couldn't lay a finger on him. Do you know why? His hour had not yet come. We read that in John 7, didn't we? Now he says, this hour, Father, this hour has come. This is the hour ordained from all eternity past, from all ages. This hour is the hour in which all promises and all the prophecies of the Old Testament, all the pictures, all the types, it's going to be fulfilled, not in this 60 minutes, but in this time, right? In this hour. This is the hour of redemption. He's going to buy us, isn't he? He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may also glorify thee. He has always been glorified as God, hasn't he? He's always been God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He's always been with him. And he has a name that's above every name. The angels worshiped him. Angels adore him. But this is the prayer of the mediator for his people. As our high priest, our, our go-between, our representative to the Father, isn't it? He's not praying as God. He's praying as a man and a mediator and an intercessor. And he's praying as our redeemer for us who believe on our behalf. That gave me so much peace this week. I, you ever struggle praying? Ever? Maybe? Just a little bit? And then you say something, you're like, why did I say that? Sound, that was just religious. It was just jargon. It's just a bunch of memorized words, a pre-canned response that everybody else said, so I say it. And I know it. I would give off some examples, but I embarrass myself too. <laughs> he did this on our behalf. On, our, on the behalf of his people throughout time, he prays. He says, glorify thy son. That just means have a party. That means sustain me, support me, uphold me in everything I must do to redeem my people. That's why I'm here. That's what this hour is for. And he has all power over all flesh, doesn't he? And he asks this. We don't have all power over all flesh, do we? And how often we fail in prayer. How often I fail in prayer. Look at the motivation of it. Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son. That, here's the reason, that thy son also may glorify thee. Lord, give me enough things in this world, possessions or money or whatever, so I don't have to beg and bring reproach on this gospel. But don't give me so much that I'm boastful and I think I did it and I bring reproach on this gospel. Do it for your glory. Or do I say, make this go away. Make this happen. Do this for me. I fail often. He says that the Son may be glorified in thee. May glorify thee. Christ came into this world to accomplish the will of the Father, and that's what was on his mind. What he was sent to do. Reading John 6 says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again to the last day. This work of redeeming a people was given to Christ. The Father said, this, this is what I want you to do. <laughs> You're the elect. He is the firstborn. And being born for his people. Came in this world being born under the law like we are. Flesh, like tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. 
didn't he? He was born for his people. He lived for his people. Every breath he took was the breath we had to take. Glorifying the Father in all things for his people. Dying for his people. And taking his life back up for his people. The Father's glorified. The Son's glorified and they're one. And that was for us. That was for his people. Look at verse 2. As thou hast given him power over all flesh. All flesh. We read in Matthew 28. All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Paul wrote there in Philippians 2. God hath given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that he's Lord. Acts 2. God hath made this same Jesus. He's talking to those people that laid their hands on him. Made him both Lord and Christ. He has all power. All power. I've been told from a young young age, don't feel sorry for Jesus like most of this world does. Don't, don't pity him. Don't you feel sorry for him. Most of the world feels sorry for him, don't they? Poor little fella. That one that's in their minds. He has all authority and all power according to this word, doesn't he? According to him. <laughs> and it's so. People don't enter into that. He has all majesty and all glory. And he will do what he will with whom he will. He's the king. Period. This poor, sad, defeated, sissified, wanting, wringing his hands, Jesus. That's another Jesus. That's not according to this book. That's a false God and you'll die and go to hell looking to him. I don't know how it's plainer to say it. The gospel that's being preached all around this world, it's another gospel. It's wildly different. Not even close to the truth. The spirit that all these people are talking about all over the country and this county and everything, that's another spirit. It's another spirit. God does what he pleases, and he works all things according to his will in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what doest thou? Mankind does. What's God doing? How could a God do such a thing? And I can't believe we don't strike him dead right then. But it's not his will to, is it? Living for us, for his bride, he had all power. And having all power as a man, as God man, he was just and holy and good the whole time. Perfect faith that only served the Father and looked to him and not himself. He didn't, he didn't consume it for himself. Having all power. You remember whenever he cursed that fig tree? I planted a fig tree so I could think of it often. He went to it. He was wanting a fig. Lord, when I ate a fig, he's hungry. Didn't have no figs on it. He cursed it and it withered right then. And the apostle said, what, in the, what kind of power does this fellow have? Look at this. What happened? And he said, you, you don't have enough faith to do this? He said, you could say to that mountain if you have faith, be thou removed. And he'd just jump over in the sea. That's just what some faith would do. Like a mustard seed, isn't it? He had all power. Perfect faith. And he didn't consume it. What would I do? I sat on that for a couple hours. Did you <laughs> You ever consider those things? What, what if I had the power of God to change things? My enemies are just, there, that's gone. <laughs> you, 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 any pain, it's fixed right then. Without the wisdom of God. James said, ye ask and you receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it on your lust. Not our Lord. Never. He was a servant. He did for others, didn't he? For us. 
perfect faith to the Father. He had the Spirit without measure. And, he, and, and having that, he had perfect obedience. He said, all power is given to me. Verse 2. As thou hast given him all power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Eternal life is a gift. It's a gift. It's not an offer. It's not something that's on a shelf. Come take it if you want it. He gives it. It's a gift. It's from God. And it is to as many as the Father has given Christ that he put him, him before time. Is that what it says? That he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Lord just puts things plainly, don't he? Does he? Particular redemption. I bet there's people pulling out their little faith swords and going to battle all over this country over that stuff, don't they? Election. Particular redemption is not debatable. If you debate something and argue something with someone, you're opening up the fact that you could be wrong. This is declared. God saved a people. That's good news. <laughs> if we're of a, the kind of people that's a, at war with him and offended him, isn't it? Tell me more about that. It's plainly declared. I wouldn't spend five minutes arguing with somebody over it. The Pharisees believed in election and particular redemption, didn't they? But they did not know the Redeemer. They did not know why they needed to be redeemed. He hadn't revealed that to them. Some things are so plainly spoken in the world of God, in the Word of God, and it's just proof of our blindness in sin that everyone everywhere doesn't read stuff like this and fall down immediately and bow and beg for mercy and worship Christ the Lord. That's proof we're blind walking through this earth right now. Well, I got some questions on this eternal life. It's a gift. It's not an offer. He gives it. Where does it come from? Where does eternal life come from? Here's some common questions. The son who has all power over all flesh, he gives it. That's the source. He gives it, doesn't he? Who gets this gift? Who, who gets eternal life? As many as God the Father saw fit to put in Christ before the world began. Read Ephesians 1 or a slew of other texts, isn't it? That's so. That's who it is. Well, where are they from and how many of them are there? People ask these things, don't they? I thought of Revelation 7. It says, after this, I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues. They stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palms in their hands, ready to worship. And they had something else in common. How did they worship? They cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. All glory is yours. Salvation to the Lord. Thank you. And they worshiped him, didn't they? What is this eternal life? We know where it comes from. We know who and what nations. Was it a particular nation? No, it's every kindred, every nation, every tribe. It, what is it? Do you have any interest at all in what it is? Will someday. What is eternal life? If I was to hand out written tests right now, you think you'd pass? <laughs> Would that be horrible? My pastor used to look down and say, ain't that right, Kevin? It's important. What is it? What's eternal life? Look at verse 3. And this 
is life eternal. Here's what everybody ought to be interested in. That they might know thee, the only true God. You had to know God. And Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Not just be aware of him, no, to know him. And if you know him, you love him. To know him is to love him. To love him is to cling to him and, and, and worship him. Love your brethren because they love him too. You can't help it. I'm going to go where you go. Isn't that what Ruth said? She said, your people is my people. Your God's my God. Wherever you go, I'm going. Wherever you're buried, that's where I'm getting buried. We're in this together. <laughs> Eternal life is they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. How does one come to know God? How do we know him? I'm going to tell you, first off, ground rules. It's going to be according to the scriptures. If you were in false religion and you were saved back then, and then you just happened to come to the doctrines of grace, Lord ain't worked in you yet, because that's not according to the scriptures. That's, his word is going to be the foundation. This is the, the authority on all things, on his character, on who we are, on what we are, on how he saves sinners. This is the authority. So in Jeremiah 23, Behold, I'm against them that prophesy false dreams, saith the Lord, and do tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their lightness. That's preachers that tell, preach false things and that are flippant and lied about these matters. We're dealing with the Holy God, ain't we? He said, Yet I sent them not nor commanded them. Therefore, they shall not profit this people at all, saith the Lord. Well, it's good that they're in some church instead of just not being in any church at all. No, it's not. It's going to be according to this word, and it's going to be according to truth. This needs said. Why would they tell such lies? There's no light in them. They don't have any light to tell. <laughs> they don't know. To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it's because there's no light in them. They're blind, leading to the blind, and they're looking to the world, and they're looking to the flesh, and they're looking to stuff to do instead of looking up. Looking to our redemption that's coming. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Henry Mahan, that get your attention? Here's what, here's what my pastor said. He said, if you want to know about the Baptist God, buy you some Baptist material. Read it. If you want to know about the Catholic God, get you some Catholic books. If you want to know about the Reformed God, buy some of their books. If you want to learn about the Methodist God or the Mormon God or even Buddha, you get some of their material and they will tell you about their God. But if you want to know the true and living God, you have to buy your Bible and you have to read it because it's going to be according to this word. That's so. If someone's listening, I would ask them, would you know God? <laughs> There's <an> evangelical message, right? <laughs> the general call. Would you be saved? Would you be made whole? Would you know him? That's the first question, isn't it? If you're going to, if you're going to know him, you're going to have to, it's going to be from this book. And you're going to have to find a preacher that preaches this book. Not just anybody. Not sitting at you by yourself at the house. And that chariot on the way back to Ethiopia and figure it out yourself. It ain't going to happen. That's according to the book. It? 
someone that preaches this word verse by verse. What what did Isaiah twenty eight say? Line by line and precept upon precept. Let's go down one. We'll look at the first three verses. How does someone come to know the Lord Jesus Christ? Not just to knowing stuff about Him, but to know Him. Not just believing in a doctrine, but believing Him. First, it's going to be according to this word. I hear people say a lot of stuff. I said, that ain't right. That ain't what the book says. God did not say that. That's wrong. Stop telling people that. It ain't right. If you don't know what it says, go look it up. Maybe you ought to read it sometime. It's going to be by according to his word. Second, it's by regeneration. Life must be given because we're dead. God's got to have come to us and give us life, breathe life in us. And that comes with hearts, doesn't it? Life comes with hearts. That, that believe him. Life comes with ears that hear him. Like that is what that said. Eyes that read this word and say, that's him. <laughs> Look at that. He has to give that life. Remember in John 3 when Nicodemus came to him? Very religious man, wasn't he? Been religion all his life. Didn't miss church service. But he didn't know God. That's life eternal, right? He knew religion. He knew what the law said. He knew the tradition of the fathers. He'd memorized a bunch. He, he devoted 25 minutes every day of reading the scriptures. An hour and 25 minutes. But he didn't know God. And he came to the Lord Jesus Christ to discuss some things about God. We're going to hash this out. We're going to have a chit-chat, and then it's going to be productive. Uh, no. The Lord looked at him and said, you must be born again. He said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He can't understand it. You can't look at it. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Be with Christ who is our life for eternity. So you got you must be born again. That's why. And Nicodemus said, Well, how can I be born again? Do I enter my mother's womb a second time? And the Lord said, No. If you were able to do something like that, you'd be just as you are now. You'd be just as dead as you are now. You'd move your arms, you'd walk around and eat something. But you'd be dead. And he said, that which is born of flesh is flesh. A man must be born of the Spirit of God. He must be born of the Word of God. And he must be born by the power of God. The Lord has to give life. How does someone know Christ? I'll tell you what, man. You talk about getting my attention. If somebody wants to stand up and talk to me and say, I'm going to tell you about Kimberly Nicole Thacker. Huh? <laughs> you talking about somebody I love. I'm going to pay attention to that. Wouldn't you? How can we know if we know love him? If we know him. How can we know if we have eternal life? We can only know him by his word, by regeneration, and lastly, by revelation. This we God gave us this word. Here it is. That's important, isn't it? And then some of us, he's gave, somebody in this room, I think there's at least two, maybe three here gathered. He's gathered. There's a couple people living here. Maybe more than that. And he's given us life, given us ears to hear and hearts to believe. He's worked in us. And he's just going to leave us alone at yon yon. A lot of, a lot of people preaching that too. He's done all, all the hard work. Now you've got to finish it up. Absolutely not. He reveals himself to us, doesn't he? To know him is by revelation only. He gives us understanding of Christ to know him. And I, I, I worked this where we only turned to one scripture tonight. Maybe that was a mistake, but we'll find out. Turn over to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John 5. 
John was a younger fellow when he wrote the gospel according to John. And we wrote these epistles here, he's a much older man. The truth stays the same, doesn't it? Nothing's changed in his lifetime, nothing's changed to us, and nothing will change. He doesn't change, does he? Here in 1 John 5, verse 20. Now what the Lord told them as he prayed in front of them, when he prayed to the Father and they got to listen in, let's see here what John writes about it. 1 John 5, verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come. He's come. That, 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 that Messiah that was pointed to in all the old pictures types and all these things, he's come. We ain't looking for another. This him. He come. And he went to that cross for us. As he said, that hour came and it was accomplished. We know he's come. We know. And hath given us an understanding. He gave us some revelation in this matter. How? Because we had life to give it to. Was it according to just however you want it? No, it was according to this word. It was according to this word. That. He did this. He gave us an understanding. That. We may know him. That is true. Isn't this how this started? Yes. What we're going to, how's a believer going to grow? You're going to know him. Well, I know him now. I want to know him more. Well, what happens when we know him more? Do we, we know everything there is to know. No, we want to know him more. And then we're going to know him more. And he's going to keep revealing himself to us. And it's going to get more precious and more important to us. That's just so, isn't it? That we may know him that is true and that we are in him that's true. That's just salvation revealed. We're in him. He's in us. We're one with him. And he's on the throne. And we're joint heirs with him. What a thought. Even his son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. What's eternal life? To know him. And the Lord has to do that. It's going to be according to his word. He's going to have to give us life, and then he's going to have to reveal us himself to us. Isn't it? That's what's going to, You can't find out God. You can't. We're going to read his word. It's going to be according to that word. He has to reveal it. He has to do the work. Anything else. Now, now, now listen to me. Anything else is a false refuge. What am I getting at? Anything else is eternal damnation and death. Anything else. Christ is eternal life. Union with him. Knowing him. Being found in him. That's what the word says, right? That's life. Anything else is a false refuge. Look at verse 21. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen. Keep yourself. If there's some other way that's not according to this work, don't have it. If there's some other way that the eternal life comes that's not by the Lord giving the life, don't have it. It's an idol. It's a death. If there's any other way that somebody learns something about God without the Lord being the teacher of his children, don't buy them self-help books. Uh, they don't know everything. It's an idol, isn't it? Mm. I've been encouraged from multiple sides to soft, soften my stance or soften my message as many other preachers throughout time have been. It's according to his word. It's according to his regeneration. It is according to his revelation. It's all of God. And everything else is death. And he gets all the glory for saving the people. I ain't reconsidering. If he keeps me, <laughs> Lord, keep me. I, I, what else? There's nothing else. Good news. That's it. 
I ain't backing off of it. Our text says, This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Do you know him according to his word? Because he gave you new life? Because he revealed himself to you? If so, we glory in him, don't we? We're thankful in him. We talk about him, not us. His doing. A few verses up there in John 5, 11. And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. I want to tell this to those that hath the Son. And they'll say, amen, that's right. And those that don't have him, I want to say, you need to know the son. God's got to do something in you. Beg him for mercy. Come to him. Bow to him. Worship him. <laughs> he might be pleased to give Christ to us. That'd be a good thing. Wouldn't it? I hope that's a comfort to you. All right, Brother Mike.